Welcome to Conversations About Care, a podcast for pediatric clinical providers. Hi, this is Sandy Hassink, and I'm the Medical Director for the Institute for Healthy Childhood Weight at the American Academy of Pediatrics. In this conversation with my friend and colleague, Dr. Anelli, we discuss the importance of cultural considerations in clinical care. You will hear us go over examples of what medical care providers can do to create a culturally sensitive environment for meeting our patients' unique needs and building meaningful and lasting patient-provider relationships. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome you today to my conversation with my friend and colleague, Ahuma Nelly. Dr. Nelly uh, is a professor of pediatrics at Ohio State and directs the Center for Healthy Weight Nutrition at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And today we're going to be talking about cultural considerations. So first of all, welcome, Anelli, and glad, so glad to be having this conversation with you today. Thank you, Sandy, and thanks for having me on the podcast. So um, I wondered if we could just start out, Anelli, with uh, just uh, why is it so important that we, uh, we take into consideration cultural factors about our patients? I think we, we kind of get this. We think it's I think we, we feel this, that it's almost self-evident, but I think it's good to sit a minute and reflect why is this so important for us to do? That's a great question, right? I've been a physician for a long time and so have you. And uh, one of the things we want always is to provide the best care for our families. In order to do that, we recognize that we have to have an excellent patient-physician relationship, right? We want our families to engage, to listen, to understand, to have the ability to follow through on uh, whatever plan we come up together. And we're aware that there are multiple factors that affect how that whole conversation goes or what the plan um, is. We recognize very much factors like social determinants of health, but along um, with that is a very important factor, which is culture. So, you know, when, when we think about that, we think that this really speaks to the heart of our relationship with our patient. And um, uh, especially since we both take care of children with obesity and know that um, when you start talking about lifestyle change and factors that affect uh, healthy nutrition and activity, you, you come right to the heart of the patient's life. And uh, I think that you, you cultural considerations really help us gain the kind of understanding that we need to help the patient uh, move to a healthier lifestyle. So I, I, I appreciate your, your thoughts very much on that. So, you know, we're all coming to this, uh, the idea of wanting to understand culture from uh, our own perspectives and in many cases, different places. How do we start, Anneli? How do we, how do we know where we are and how do we get to where we wanna be? So I think you start by figuring out what is culture? How, how do we define culture, right? We all have it and it's really a way of life. It's all tied in about our beliefs, our behaviors, our attitudes, our value. You think about language, religion, with obesity, food, even activity, 
right? Um, the music we use, all those things are tied into what we define as a group's culture or our culture. And I think one of the most important things is that when we have it, we don't quite realize that we have it because we don't think about it. We pass it along within families, within groups, and we pass it from generation to generation. Having said that, the most important thing that um, we realize with culture is that there are different experiences within each culture. And that when we look at it, we also want to look at it within a context, right, Sandy? Um, both of us are from different uh, communities. And you do have a mainstream culture and you have a minority culture. You, you recognize that when you're a physician. You also need to pay attention to the generational expression of culture, particularly in um, groups where the grandparents or generations are very important. And then I'm an immigrant, and um, there is a twist to any culture when there is an immigrant experience with it. So when we talk about uh, when we talk about culture, and we're going to talk about that um, through this podcast, one of the things I always say is that you've got to be careful about not getting into stereotypes. We talk about main characteristics of different cultures, and what they do for us as physicians is to help us begin somewhere, right? To understand this is what the Latino culture looks like. And that's a beginning, it's not to stereotype, but it allows us then to layer on the individual's experiences um, within that culture. So Anneli, um, I really liked when you said culture is a way of life. And I, I had this immediate picture of us, uh, like I was a fish swimming in my waters. And I swim in these waters and I take it for granted, my own uh, perceptions and way of life and um, until somebody points something out that, oh, I, they see things differently than I do. So maybe one of the first things is to be aware that we are, you know, enclosed within our own culture and be aware of that and that um, our own culture is our culture. And uh, our patient's culture is their culture. And we're really trying to understand that lens and that approach and way of life um, uh, that our patients have. And maybe the first step is realizing that um, we are also in our own unique uh, cultural situation. That's, that's very true, right? It's to understand that and also appreciate the different cultures, right? That's the key is to feel, get to a point where we feel comfortable within the diversity of cultures and we're able to appreciate that richness and able to use it um, to improve the care we give. Whether we're dealing with obesity or asthma or ADHD or just um, well-child uh, well visits as pediatricians, it's so crucial just because our patients live within a family and each family has their own culture. So you're absolutely right about that. No, I was just going to say that um, when we think about that, right, that's where the concept of cultural sensitivity comes in. How do we develop a cultural sense? What is cultural sensitivity, Anneli, and how do we enhance it or develop it? Yeah, that's the you know, $2,000 question. Um, so cultural sensitivity is actually a skill set. So it's something that has to be learned. 
And um, the idea is that when you have this skill set, you're better able to understand people who are different from you, right? And better able to serve them. I always say that the key with cultural sensitivity is to get to a point where you are aware of those differences, my culture, their culture, um, but you don't assign it a value. Mine is better than yours, or yours is superior than mine, right? And, and that feeds into that, their, their work when you look at a model, cultural sensitivity model that um, Milton Bennett developed, where there are six stages. If you think about those stages, it's more of a spectrum. So cultural sensitivity is not a binary. It's not I'm cultural sen culturally sensitive or I'm not. It's more of a spectrum. And I think as providers, one of the things that we can do, going back to your question about how do you build it, how do you build that muzzle up, is to start with your own awareness of where you are or your awareness of an encounter with a family and where were you along that spectrum? Does that make sense? Yes, and would you be able to talk to us a little bit about what that spectrum actually looks like? Um, what are the components of it? Yeah, sure. So there are two big buckets. One is what they call the ethnocentric stages. And uh, it's made up of three stages. The first is denial. And we may have met patient, pa uh, families or patients or even our colleagues who are in that stage in certain circumstances. And that's where you deny um, that there are cultural differences or experiences. You believe there's just one culture. And that's the culture you want to, to promote. The second is defense. And that's where people recognize it. They acknowledge that, that there are cultural differences, but they tend to see the other as negative and there's more as superior, most evolved. So if you think about it, it's like um, saying there are certain cultures that speak um, with a lot of words. They tell stories as they speak. And then there are certain cultures that are more direct in how they speak. And if you say, well, why don't they just become direct in the way they speak? It's just more efficient, right? That, that puts you more in a defense stage. And the third there is where you minimize um, the awareness that you have, your recognition of those cultural differences. Um, a good one is when we think about babies. There are certain cultures that feel like a really nicely, nice, heavyweight baby, right? It's a healthy baby. And I'm thinking, well, every baby, if they're just at a normal weight, we, we think they're fine. That That is, um, you're minimizing how that culture sees the need for a baby that has a little bit more weight, because perhaps in their ethnic, um, um, in, in, in their population, um, babies that have a little bit more weight do better. We should be aware of our own responses as a first step. Like how are we, uh, when we approach a patient or a family from a different culture, we should be checking in with ourselves in, in a way to see, are we in that denial stage or are we minimizing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we can also be in the more advanced stages, right? Which is where we want to be, where we accept and we identify with the experiences within different cultures, where we are able to adapt. 
Um, we, we acknowledge those differences, but we can adapt and make changes. I can say happy Hanukkah because I, I understand that that culture is important to my patient when I walk in, if it's that season. So that's a form of adaptation. And then we can also learn how to integrate those cultural differences in how we talk about um, a plan or how we explain um, conditions in the, in the clinic. So we have um, empathy. There's a, a, a genuine curious need to weave in the culture into what you're doing with their treatment. So Anneli, thank you for, for helping us understand that this is really a continuum and that we can check in with ourselves and move ourselves into these different stages. Um, what advice, um, practical advice, would you give practitioners as they uh, go in to uh, try to try to be aware of this and uh, in, uh, be aware of the cultural considerations with their patients? What are some practical tips that you might give them? So I think um, for a provider, uh, there, there are um, a number of things that you can do. And while you're trying to uh, become more culturally sensitive, you're also looking at your colleagues in clinic. So I, I tend to divide it in three buckets. One is structural. You are, um, with EMR, you can get information on the ethnicity or the race of the population you see. So you get a better sense of who comes through our door. You can uh, set up lunch and learns for your whole clinic with uh, people from these different cultures so you learn um, in a practical way. You can, um, in our clinic, we're an obesity clinic and one of our dietitians sets up these food tours which are just phenomenal. So we go as a group and we eat different ethnic foods. It gives us a sense and we better understand our patients when they describe these same foods. Um, and we can also be thoughtful even about things like our wall art, right? You've been into clinics where you see these lovely placards that have welcome in different languages. Language is a part of culture. And uh, being, being able to do that, that's pretty small, makes people feel more comfortable. So those are structural, practical tips that you can do as a practice. Um, individually, you can look at yourself. We've already talked about that. Be aware of where you are um, in terms of your understanding of culture. Learn more, read more. Um, it's also important to be kind to yourself if you have a scenario where you feel, whoa, I didn't quite handle that. I kind of felt my culture was superior to what they were trying to tell me. Um, and that's important to be able to check yourself, but within that with compassion. Um, so, and then you have some practical tips when you're actually working with the family. So tell me about walking into that clinic space, Anneli, and uh, working with the family. What are some what are some things that I, I could do as I walk in to help me um, take this all in uh, as, I, as I go through my visits? Yeah, depending on how well you know the family, um, you can start off with the greeting, right? If you have a family that has an interpreter and you know what the greeting is in that language, you can open that encounter with um, a greeting in their language. That's one thing that you can do. Um, 
you can, um, I, I think it's important. So the Hispanic culture, for instance, is a good example of learning things that are important to them. Again, this, these are not stereotypes, but general boundaries. Um, being able to be respectful is important, particularly if there's somebody older. So, so really looking at how you greet the older person, the grandparent that's sitting in the room. Being um, able to be kind in how you speak and also understanding that um, conflict isn't something that um, they, they particularly want within their cultural boundaries. So you have to give permission for them to disagree with you. Um, so there, there are some, when I talk about being able to figure out, okay, who do I typically see and what are the big buckets in their culture being, once you recognize that, then you can use that as you open your visit, um, being able to lean forward so you can hear what they're saying, um, or you can show um, that you're in a stance of interest rather than stepping back and you have your hands uh, folded across your chest. But I would say that, um, for me, one of the things that I found to be the most helpful thing is actually to use the same MI tools that we have. You've got to listen, you know, truly listen and listen because you want to reflect back what they're saying to you. In, in, in being able to say, well, I'm listening to understand and to reflect back then that helps to center you and you're not thinking about the next patient you're about to see. And that's important. Um, you can start off with also setting questions that, um, that and you, you actually you don't need specific questions if the culture is different. You start with the same exact question. What changes is how you do your follow-up questions, right? And you're paying attention to the responses you get, but you're also paying attention to nonverbal cues. So the, or, or tone, you know, tone is a really good one to tell you, oops, I think this may not have come across as well as I hoped it had. So, Nellie's a question like, um, can you tell me more about traditions that you have with your family? around food or physical activity which might be something to start with. Yes, that is a really good one um, to start with and actually a good one to use all through the visit, like when you set up goals, right? You know, what aspects of this goal do you think would work with how, you, how what's happening in your family or who's in your family or how you make decisions in your family? I, with, with, with um, obesity, I tend to Ask uh, sometimes, you know, how do your family members feel about this little extra weight that you're carrying? I think that's a, an extremely important question when 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 you're looking at um, weight-related concerns. You know, uh, I think this is so important, and there, there's also the whole issue of foods that we might not be familiar with, or foods that we might automatically recommend that the patient may not be familiar with. So how do you approach? How do you uh, approach that? You know, just the whole issue about we, we might be eating really very different foods that neither of us are familiar with. Yes. Um, so the best way I found to approach that is to have them do a pictorial food diary. Um, take pictures of the food. Mm -hmm. 
and bring it in on your cell phone. Yes. And, and, and most families are proud to do that. I mean, they try to feed their kids well. So if you take a picture, you get a better sense of, okay, what does the food look like? Where are the colors on the plate? Um, and then also asking them how they eat that food, what goes with it, right? And, and how they prepare it, because we do know certain cultures prepare food differently. And how they prepare the food may make a particular food calorie dense or not. You can um, also, with, with a pictorial diary, you can also get a better sense of how, um, what the portions look like. So I often tell people I, I am um, African and, and if you serve rice in most African homes on a plate, you are going to get maybe two and a half, three times what the typical portion would be. Because, <laughs> yeah, because of the way we, we eat it and the way we serve it is, is a demonstration of um, rice is pretty much, um, it, it's a food that kids like and kids look forward to it. So you serve it out of love. Um, so right. you can get a good sense of um, the portions. And it can help you also figure out with them. Like if you look at a plate and say, well, I see multiple starches. Um, it's easier to say, what can we take out? You know, is it possible to take A or B out of this plate? Or um, do you prepare it in any different way? Um, maybe you add vegetables to the rice and there's a way they prepare it. Then you can use that um, to make it less calorie dense. So, you know, all of these things that we're talking about, I think of all the patients I've seen, these are, these are things to think about in every patient because even when you think your patient may share your culture superficially, when you get down to their own heritage and their own family, um, you still need all these skills to listen carefully, to ask questions, to see what their traditions are because even if superficially you might assume you're coming from the same culture, there really may be quite a few differences in how um, the family, your, your family is per perceiving weight or preparing food. So I really appreciate what you're saying and, and see this is, this is applicable to all, our, all of our patients that we see. Um, and we shouldn't make assumptions on the face of it that we just uh, automatically share all our cultural uh, considerations. So, um, Anneli, we're we're coming to the end, uh, wrap this up, and I wondered if there's any last things you, you would like to share with our audience or any clinical vignettes that you have um, just to share with them about this subject. Yeah, I, I, I um, would encourage people to look it up. It is an extremely intriguing subject, um, and there are a lot of good resources. The American Academy of Pediatrics actually has a lovely website around cultural competency and cultures. Um, there's uh, a website that allows you to look at um, populations, more minority cultures, if you have those uh, populations in your practice. You don't have to know about all cultures, but it's a great website to go, go to if you have, for instance, a high Vietnamese population in, in, in your clinic. Um, I am probably gonna end with the six C's. And this is something I learned from one of my fellows, Dr. Lizette Stanislaw, um, who just has a passion for cultural sensitivity and competency. 
and she talks about individual level targets for change when you're when you're doing this um she calls it the six c's curiosity what are we missing what am i missing with this family consciousness what are the actual behaviors that we have um commitment how can i take their views seriously compassion for yourself the kindness when we have a negative impact on others and the courage to take responsibility for our actions. And finally, really thinking about culture in a way that you are setting clear goals for yourself as you work with each family that you see. So I think the six C's is a good way um, for us to look at um, the universe of culture and cultural sensitivity, whether you're dealing with obesity or not. And Ellie, I, I so much appreciate this conversation and, and your thoughtfulness about this topic, and I thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Dr. Anelli. It is always important for us to reflect on our own biases while respecting and welcoming the culture of our neighbors, patients, and families. So when you get a chance, head over to the Conversation About Care homepage to find the various resources we mentioned, such as the AAP policy on culturally effective pediatric care and Milton's developmental model of intercultural sensitivity. You may also want to consider the Change Talk app on motivational interviewing and a downloadable graphic of the six C's of developing cultural sensitivity. There you can also take a brief survey where you can suggest future topics and share ideas on how we can continue to improve our show. We hope you join us again next month for another episode, Conversation About Care. Thank you for tuning in. The views, information, resources, or opinions expressed during the Conversations About Care podcast series are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent those of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The topics included in these podcasts do not indicate an exclusive course of treatment or serve as a standard of medical care. Variations, taking into account individual circumstances, may be appropriate. The primary purpose of this podcast is to explore common themes related to quality pediatric care from the perspective of clinicians. This podcast series does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the expressed approval and knowledge of the American Academy of Pediatrics podcast developers is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast.